Hawks Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. 7 o'clock on a Thursday. You know what time it is, Paul Moyer. It's time for a Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumpus here with Paul Moyer. How you doing, Moyer? It's Thursday. By the way, the Mariners are... Boston lost today, just for those out there. Just make sure you're all aware of that. And uh, we are now officially tied in the wild card. Yeah. Let's go, Mariners. Pretty exciting. It it, it is exciting. You know, this is Seahawks live. But, you know, it's good for the Northwest. You know, it can't always be just the Seahawks. And the Seahawks, you know, everybody, you know, is is on board for for both these. So, So I'm doing pretty well, but I'm still licking my wounds from last week. It was tough. Bump. It was a tough one for analysts like us to really go through this game and and try and fix things. Yeah. And right now, there's a lot to fix, particularly on defense. Lots to fix on defense. Now, there's an elephant in this room right now. <laughs> People want to place blame. Is it the offense? Is it the defense? Is it the coaches? The players? I mean, you can go any direction with this. I feel like everyone has played a, a role in this. Right in this one and two start, everyone took their turn kind of not living up to expectations. So I'm going to ask you the question I've been asked all week, Paul Moore. What, what do we do? Where, where do we go from here? Well, let's, let's start with this part. First of all, it's not just the corner's fault. It's not just Trey Flowers' fault. Um, you know, we, we play a lot of three-deep zone. This is it's certainly the back seven, uh, you know, at times the back six. You know, we've been doing a lot of five-man front looks uh, at times, or a bare, bare look for those who, who like that terminology better. Um, in the type of zone defense we play, it takes everybody. I mean, it takes the linebackers taking their proper drops, being in the right spot to take away the ends, the turns, hold off those, and then, you know, rally up to check downs, things like that. Uh, it takes, you know, the, the coaches mixing things up to give the, the players the best opportunity to succeed. And last week was tough. And it, it's not like each player's busting 10, 15 times a game. You get a bust. One time from really, I think, Trey Flowers. He played, I thought, a different coverage than everybody else. Have uh, two times maybe, you know, Jordan Brooks, or maybe just didn't quite, you know, uh, push out to the to the turn or hook hook area. You get one here, two there, and starts adding up. Now you got seven of those guys. Now it starts getting to 14, 21 plays. Yeah. And Minnesota found it all. Um, but we do got to we got to shore some things up uh, in in our sec in, in the pass defense and our drops and how we're crowding people along the way because we can have the greatest pass rush in the world. The ball comes out quick, and and we're not covering people. Obviously, uh, it, it makes for a long day. But there's there's a lot of things they've got to go back. And it, it, to me, it's not even just simplifying it. I don't think we're playing a real complex defense right now. We we play a lot of zone at times we we blitz at times we we send five guys and play kind of a hybrid zone defense where the three guys inside kind of like quarters you know for those who are quarter people you it's usually you take the three inside linebacker safety whoever they are and they crowd those three inside re- receivers and then you kind of leave the corners a little bit uh isolated out out wide or you give up some of those throws so he has some of that too and you know they've been reading us and they've got they had some really good routes last week but we just got to commit to doing better pattern recognition. Uh, you know, again, a guy in the flat. Guy in the flat, I've, since you've been in youth football, guys in the flat, you widen just a little bit, but you got to know you're holding off a turn or an in route coming behind you. Yep. You just have, I mean, it's just, 
you know, basic football, and then you rally to the other stuff. Uh, we're just you're just a lot of again youthful mistakes, and we've got to get things tightened up by everybody. Lots of things going on on the back end, second and third level. I'm going to say, and even down into the trenches, right? I mean, Kirk Cousins had a lot of time to throw the football last week. Only sacked one time. Quarterback hits. He only was hit three or four times. I mean, you're not getting to the quarterback, and there's a lot of space going on in, on the back end. So there's going to be a lot of success now. The Hawks last year were in the same predicament, right? Statistically, they are the worst defense in the NFL. Last year, they could say, look, at least we're good against the run. They can't even say that this year, Moyer. They are 30th against the run, 26th against the pass. So it's like you can't be bad at both. you got to find a way to bring something to the table and be good at good at one aspect of defense right now, and we're just not seeing it. What I, what I think, though, I think that there's enough when it comes to personnel on this team to fix things, right? I think everyone just has to be on the same page. doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to get there, right? Every NFL roster has talent, but it takes the right combination of coaching, of scheme, of players understanding what they're doing. Um, this is the first time in maybe two or three years where I'm legit concerned. I'm like, all right, this, is, this game against the Niners is probably the biggest week four game I've ever covered for the Seahawks. Well, we haven't been one and two since 2011, Pete's second year. You know, so, you know, we're used to having success. And obviously since uh, uh, Russell, you know, has been here, you know, we, we haven't had those. Um, look, here's what's different. One, one quick thing, Paul, sorry yeah, to cut you off. 2018, we started one and two as we well. Because we started 0 and 2 and we beat the Cowboys to make it one and two. Obviously, that team bounced back, got to the playoffs. Because when you're 0 and 2 in the National Football League, it's really hard to get the playoffs. I think it's in like the 15%-ish range. But that was the last time the Seahawks started 1 and 2. I, you know, I'm just, I, I was reading somebody's notes and you make the notes, but maybe, <laughs> no, geez, I, I probably read that one wrong. Uh, it, the difference between last year and, thank you, by the way, uh, than last year and this year, last year our defense played pretty well in the first half and even pretty well in the middle and sometimes third quarter. It was the fourth quarter. Yeah. I, I, you know, we did the statistic last year where, you know, the Seahawks, if you took the first three quarters and averaged it out, you know, they would have been like in the top five defense. But if you took the fourth quarter average over those first, you know, six, seven games, they were giving up almost 800 yards a game. And so we were had huge leads at that time. So it was really passing, playing soft. Sometimes we gave up some big plays. We, we started to tighten that thing up. But we started off 5-0. and And so you're, you just go, okay, we're, we're okay against the run. We're playing good uh, defense to give our, a chance for us to get these big leads. This one, though, feels different because we're not stopping the run. We're not stopping them early. These really long, sustained drives. Matter of fact, last week they had five drives in a row. Nine plays, 90 yards. 12 plays, 66. 16, 50. 11, 70. 12, 88. 60 plays in five drives. That's probably more than we had, you know, in the whole game. And then what's more important is the amount of time. Yeah. And so those five drives, you know, just adding that thing up, you know, was well over 20 minutes, almost 30 minutes. I mean, that's that's half the football game. So um, this one's tough. I, I really – and what changed last year as well, uh, Bump, was we decided to get more uh, or tight and contest the throws, and we started blitzing. We started putting pressure on them. And I think we have to do that. I think it's really tough to play soft defense. You know, look, Pete knows this stuff. Everybody out there. 
there's not one dumb football coach on the Seahawks. These guys are smart guys. They've worked hard to get where they are. And so they just they got to correct some things. And sometimes you go in with some personnel that you think it's right, but we didn't play any starters really in preseason. Yeah. So you think you have it, and all of a sudden you get into the regular season, you go, oh, this is how people are scheming us. we got to make some adjustments. The Hawks are going to have to make some adjustments. So now I'm going to switch over to the offense. People are going to say, all right, what happened to this offense? That first half they put up 17 points, things look good. The second half they stall out. I'm going to let you know what happened that second half. The second half – the Vikings come out, 16 plays, 50 yards. Talk about those longs drive that you have. Then the Hawks get the ball. They, the Vikings get a field goal off of that. The Hawks get the ball. Five plays are out. They punt the football. You are playing catch-up at this point. The Vikings scored 30 unanswered points. You're playing catch-up. People are going to say, why didn't Chris Carson touch the football? You need to implement him into the game plan. Yes, you do. But when you are down, you cannot run the football six to eight times in the drive and expect – to keep time on the clock and get back in the game, you are forced to play a certain way. And guess who knows you have to play a certain way? Zimmer on the other side, he goes, look, they're behind. They're going to have to throw the football. We're going to have to We're gonna sit our guys back deep and, and anticipate what they're going to do. So it's hard to play catch-up. It's hard to be dynamic and play catch-up when you're behind. Yeah, it's frustrating because we've had now three games in a row we've had a double-digit lead. And we we squandered two of those, um, and and not just squandered, squandered them quickly, um, and that's we got to start putting teams away. There's a lot of positives though, you know. Obviously, Chris Carson's averaging 4.9 yards per carry. Uh, Russell Wilson's having just another phenomenal year. 133 QB rating. He's got seven touchdowns, no interceptions. We just got to tighten up on defense. I think our offense is explosive enough for us to win a lot of football games. You talk about double digit leads in the last 171 games. They have 10 losses when they have double-digit leads. doesn't happen often, but we've been seeing that a lot lately well, here. Two of them this year. Yeah, two, two of, of them this 10? year. Yeah. yeah, it's been rough. All right, when we get back, we got to look forward to the 49ers. We'll get an opponent preview from Nick Wagner from ESPN.com. Lots more to do here right here on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live. Every Thursday right here on 710 ESPN. I'm Michael Bumpus here with Paul Moyer. Hawks are moving on to the 49ers, and now we get to talk to Nick Wagner from ESPN.com. Nick, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're doing okay, man. Thanks for taking time out of your day to holler at us, man. Uh, the Hawks are looking to bounce back against the 49ers. 49ers are looking to bounce back um, from a loss against the Green Bay Packers in dramatic fashion. What's the temperature over there in San Francisco? Do they feel they have a good football team here? And is there really a quarterback controversy going on? <laughs> well, it's interesting, actually, because I, I think as week four games go, you know, you don't want to press the panic button, but this is a, feels like a pretty big week four game for both of these teams because um, I think both of them are still trying to figure out kind of what their identity is and who they're going to be in 2021. And to answer your question, to find out if they're actually good teams or not. Um, and when you look across the division, you see the Cardinals and the Rams playing this week. One of those teams, barring as high, is going to get to 4-0. So if the Seahawks lose this game, they're three games back. If the Niners lose this game, they're two games back in the division already. And, uh, and then you're facing an uphill climb in a really tough division. So I think from the 49ers' standpoint, they understand that this is a big game. It's always a big game when they play the Seahawks anyway. Um, but coming off of a loss, a very disappointing loss, as you mentioned, I think that ratchets up the intensity a little bit. And I think they know that they're in a position. It's, it, you, know, you don't want to say it's a must-win, obviously, this early in the season, but um, it's about as close as it can be for, for a week four game. And then 
as far as the quarterback controversy, you know, Kyle Shanahan continues to say that it's not. And I think what's going to happen and you're going to continue to see on that front is as long as the 49ers are winning games and they have a winning record, it's probably going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. But what's also going to happen is that that drumbeat for Trey Lance is going to get louder as long as the 49ers offense continues to do what it's done over the last two weeks. And I say that meaning really slow starts in the first half, not scoring points until just before halftime each of the last two weeks. And, yeah, they're turning it on a little bit in the second half like they did against Green Bay, but that inconsistency is only going to get people wanting to see Trey Lance more, and that drumbeat's only going to continue to get louder. You know, two very different losses. You know, the Seahawks – yeah, really struggled. Did not play well. You guys was a heartbreaking one. Yeah, we obviously don't have a quarterback controversy at all. We, Russell's sure. the guy. But why is Jimmy Garoppolo so polarizing on the All that the guy has done is one when he's on the field. He's played pretty well, maybe in some clutch situations, maybe has struggled at times. But why why so polarizing when his, his win-loss record's fantastic? Yeah, it's funny because I think what you what you get now, and this is, I think, a product largely of social media where there's not any room for gray area or nuance, right? You're either the best ever, you're the GOAT, or you're trash. And there's no room in between. Like, that's kind of how people seem to view it these days. And and I think that Jimmy Garoppolo falls in, in between those, obviously. And there's a lot of guys that fall in between there. But um, I think part of it is, is 49ers fans are accustomed to or at least expect great things from great quarterbacks or from their quarterbacks, I should say. And, and especially when you've got a guy, Jimmy Garoppolo, who's making as much money as he is. But I think what it really also boils down to is, is that, you know, I think a lot of quarterbacks, when you look at the elite guys, like Russell up there or, or the Tom Brady's and the Aaron Rodgers in the world, they elevate the talent around them. And there's not a lot of those guys out there. But the other guys, a guy like Garoppolo, needs a lot of things around him to be good for him to be at his kind of maximum capacity. And so I, I think that part that plays into it as well. But really what you have now is, is Jimmy Garoppolo at this point in his career, he just kind of is who he is. And that's fine. He's a fine player. But, um, you know, you also want to see somebody who can maybe raise the ceiling of what their offense can be, which is why the 49ers went out and got Trey Lance. Obviously, part of that was Garoppolo's injury history, but the other part of that was Trey Lance gives them a higher ceiling than what they already have offensively, and particularly now that their defense isn't as dominant as it was in 2019. Nick, I blame all the drama on Twitter fingers, those dang Twitter fingers. Everyone <laughs> has an opinion these days. All right, so now the last couple of years, the Niners have been hit with a lot of injuries this year. It looks like that running back position has been hit. Um, how do you assess that position, and what are your thoughts on Trey Sermon so far? Yeah, it's been, um, it's kind of been what you expect. You know, the Niners, other than Kyle Shanahan's first year, they have cycled through three or four starting running backs just about every season. Uh, so they've, you know, they kind of have accounted for the possibility of injuries. Obviously, running back is a position that lends itself to that. But they've also put themselves in a position where they've counted on a couple of guys who have lengthy injury histories. And they did that in other positions too, but running back being the topic we're talking about right now, Raheem Mostert is one of those guys. He gets injured week one, or sorry, week two, and all of a sudden he's lost for the year and he's having surgery. Jeff Wilson Jr. got injured standing up in his locker room, legitimately in spring. He's just standing up in the locker room and he tears meniscus in his knee and he's out till midseason. Jermichael Hasty uh, trying to catch a pitch, a simple pitch, a high ankle sprain. He's out for a period of time. So they've had that bad run of bad luck injury-wise for the whole team, but running back seems to be the spot that has, has really hit them the most, at least on offense. I'd say corner on defense. 
Um, but you know, they still have other options. You mentioned Trey Sermon. You know, he has been okay. I think he they gave him every opportunity that they could to let him kind of win the one B job behind Mostert during training camp, and he didn't really do it. You know, Elijah Mitchell, their sixth round pick out of the University of Louisiana, uh, kind of surpassed him. He's got a little bit more juice, a little bit more of that home run ability that the Niners like in the outside zone running game. So all those things kind of factored in, but their running game is not in a great way right now, guys. The last two weeks, they have really struggled to run the ball, and as you guys know, that's such a big part of what a Kyle Shanahan offense wants to do, and without it, it's contributed a great amount to the struggles they've had offensively, particularly early in games. You mentioned 2019, uh, their, again, their defenses. I think we, we know them for defense and a great rivalry over the years because of that. And, and Maybe they're not as dominant now, which kind of surprises me because they still got some big names. I mean, you still got Armstead, mm-hmm. you still got you know Nick Bosa, you still got Fred Warner. What's the biggest yep. reason you think it's not as dominant? And I'll, I'll throw it, the defensive coordinator leaving as well, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, that, I mean, you you hit it on right there. I think I think that losing Robert Sala is it was probably their biggest loss of the off season. Um, one thing I would add for sure is losing DeForest Buckner, um, yeah, yeah. who was just kind of criminally underrated for a lot of his time with the 49ers, and now just in the last year or so since he got traded to the Colts, has kind of started to get his the recognition that he deserves as an All Pro. Um, but even just looking at Nick Bosa, if you watch Nick Bosa playing the last couple weeks, teams are chipping him, throwing more attention his way than they did in 2019. Part of that, he was a rookie then, but having DeForest Buckner next to him certainly helped because you had to kind of pick your poison. And Javon Kinlaw, who they drafted to replace Buckner, hasn't really done, you know, lived up to the expectations that he had, let alone live up to what Buckner was able to do. The other thing I would say defensively that has, has set them back is, quite frankly, they just haven't made a lot of investments at cornerback. And, you know, they, they, they went out and had Richard Sherman for a couple of years, and obviously in 2019 he was really good. He's no longer here. They re-signed Jason Verrett, who had a really good year last year, but we know what his injury history is. So if you're banking on him to be your number one cornerback, there's inherent risk that comes with that. And there's other, there's other guys at corner that have been banged up, and you would just like to have seen them make a more significant investment than just a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick and a couple of you know one-year deals for corners uh, in this offseason, particularly as they kind of try to replace Sherman. So I think those are a few of the things that are kind of at play here. I think they still, like you mentioned, they still have a lot of talent. They should still be good enough. But I think the difference is this defense isn't going to be an elite defense like that 2019 group was, which means the offense has to pick up the slack. And that's where I think the Trey Lance factor comes in of trying to elevate that ceiling to kind of make up the difference there. Nick, I don't know if you heard, but there's a there's two receivers out here that are pretty good, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. <laughs> but San Francisco, yeah. they have two of their own, man. You got Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. How excited is this franchise about the potential of these two young receivers? Well, I think Samuel in particular is a guy that they love uh, what he's done. And, and really, if you look at him this year, it's like watching a different player in some ways because, as you guys know, he's kind of came into the league as more of a gadget guy. I mean, uh, comparable to Percy Harvin, what Percy Harvin was. Uh, up there in Seattle, and you know he wasn't a well-rounded receiver, so they would you know, find different ways to get him the ball. But when it came time to you know run a, a 14-yard dig route on third and 13, he's not necessarily the guy that's doing that. That was why they traded for Emmanuel Sanders in 2019, or part of why they did that. But Debo has really kind of reshaped his body. He's put a lot of work into route running. He's just a more complete receiver, which makes him in turn a more complete player. 
and it gives the Niners a lot more ability to get him the ball in different ways. And you're seeing that his target share, I think, is something like 35.7% of his routes run. He's getting the ball on, which is extraordinarily high for a guy on a team with George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk on it, on it also. So he's really taking a step forward, or at least appears to be. He's in much better shape. Um, I think that's going to help him, you know, potentially stay healthy. Uh, maybe not taking as many risks in terms of kind of, you know, trying to run through guys as much. Another part of that. And then Brandon Ayuk had a, has had kind of an up and down, you know, the summer and leading into the first part of this season, but starting to kind of come around a little bit. I think they wanted to light a fire under him a little bit because he he didn't play a whole lot in week one, but he's starting to kind of get back into that role that they envisioned for him. So I think he's going to get it going. He just maybe needs a little fire lit under him. And I'm sure as he watches Debo continue to ascend, um, that's going to kind of factor into getting him to up and running as well. Nick, strong stuff, yeah, man. We appreciate man. your time. Definitely. You got it, guys. Take care. Thank All right. That, that was, was Nick Wagner from ESPN.com. Yeah, Nick was it. on point, man. Yeah, yeah. He's ready to go. All right, when we return, we will chat with defensive tackle Robert Kimdichie right here on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live every Thursday. Me and my guy Paul Morey will be right here. And we talk to a Seahawk every week. Today we get to talk to Robert Kimdichie. Robert, how you doing, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How you doing? Good, man. Nice to hear from you. Now, I'm a... I'm gonna take you back to high school, man, because <laughs> I was a I was a top 100 prospect coming out of high school. But then I look at you and you just you know you just did your thing, man. Number one prospect yeah. overall. How was that in high school being the number one? You know everyone's coming at you, giving you their best shot. How was it just having that prestige in high well, school? Well, it was uh, it was um, it, it was it was a blessing, you know, to be able to be in that position and. And and to be able to play, you know, all the all the people I did play, being the number one player in the nation, and uh, and and the and what it came with, you know, really having to make sure I worked hard and had to stay at that level. It took a lot of work and it took a lot of focus, and uh, and it was, I mean, it was incredible, man, just to be just to be in that position and and still be here now is it's uh it's I'm just really you know I'm just really happy you know about it and and I can, and I'm just excited. You go on uh, Wikipedia, which we always look. And uh, for everyone listening, you need to go look at Robert's Wikipedia page because it's it's really impressive. When you, you know, you're the, not just the number one pick; you're unanimous number one recruit coming out. And there's only been four of those since 2002. One of them being Clowney, who who was here as well. And you were you were wire to wire, but you're look, you went to Grayson High School, really good high school. I yeah. mean, you, you guys, you know, when you were there for sure, unbelievable, finishing fifteen and zero on ESPN. How does Georgia lose you? How do you end up at Ole Miss? Oh man, well, was my, well, my brother, uh, yeah, my brother was there, so that was uh, I, I just followed him, and so I ended up going there because he was there. That was the yeah initially, so. Are that, you, was, that was that was the reason why I went there. I, I did go visit Georgia, and I like me and Mark Rick had a good relationship. But I just, you know, Ole Miss, Ole Miss won it at the end. <laughs> how how you like an Ole Miss right now, Lane Kiffin? Are, you, are they going in the right direction? Um, yeah, I think I think they I think they have a great team, and I think uh, yeah, I think they have a really good team, and I'm looking forward to see what they do. All right, so I'm, 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 I want to see I want to see how they finish. Yeah, they're looking it's good. So, definitely looking good so far. So, okay, so now we're going to transition because kind of recruiting, right? So now, yep. 
Last year you don't play, <clears throat> but you end up yep. free agent. You end up in Seattle. Tell me that. Yep. Why? Why Seattle? What was that process like? Well, um, well, I, I was training, yeah, and I was, uh, you know, just kind of just focusing on myself and getting my getting my body back right, and kind of just getting my whole, you know, you know, almost life back in in shape, and uh, and and I was working out, and one of my uh, and my agent reached out to um, Seattle, and and. Uh, and I just I kept working, and 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 now 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 we're here. And so it was just a, it was just a it was a, it was a matter of you know me just working hard and and there being an opportunity and me getting blessed with the opportunity and 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 try and making the most out of it. And I'm gonna keep doing that. But um, yeah, but yeah, I was just I was training and and and, uh, and Seattle called and, and and it happened. And we're we're glad you are here now. Robert, Moyer and I have been through some training camps, and during training camp, we went out there, and I would watch you, man, and you always had this energy about you, this life about you. Where does that come from, and uh, how does that help you in your everyday life? Well, well, you know, just I, I, I think life is, life is, you know, it's just a blessing, man, and, and when you get the opportunity, you know, to, to be in this position, and and overcome things and, 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 and still be here with this opportunity is just, you know, you know, you have nothing but gratitude and, and that gratitude just gives me a, a gust of wind cause, because it's just like, I mean, every moment is just like, is enjoyable. I can enjoy every moment because I know where I came from and I know where I am now and I know what I'm going to do to make sure I, I, I uphold the position I'm in, uh, the, the position I'm in right now. So, uh, it's just it's just a blessing, man. So that, that for that simple fact that I have the opportunity every day, every morning to wake up and do what I love, that that really gives me a. Uh, it really makes me feel. It makes me feel good, man. It makes me feel I can just go to work and attack attack what I do, you know, with so much intensity and and uh, appreciation. So intense intensity and appreciation somewhere. Well, attack that. So. <laughs> well, attack you do. I mean, I. I you know, we were again. We were at training camp, just watching your kid off your, your quickness. I read you ran a four five six at one point, which is just insane uh, for a man of your size. But uh, really incredible. But I'm going to ask you: you yeah. you come into camp four four, I think. Did you really get it right, Moyer? What I'm just reading <laughs> yeah, off. Yeah, it was in it, it was in high school. I remember. Well, I, I believe you. <laughs> I just yeah, yeah. I was a DB and I ran a four five five, and I was like. Okay, we got a defensive tackle running sub four fives now. That's um, pre- pretty remarkable <laughs> when you when you think about it. Yeah. When you yeah, that's funny. When you you, you come in, you're having a great camp, but don't get in preseason. Uh, you get nicked up uh, along the way. Your first yep. game, first regular season game. I mean, you 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 play a lot of snaps. I mean, I I was looking at some of the numbers there. How sore were you after the first full game you played? Um, yeah, I felt, I felt good. I felt good out there. Well, just because, you know, training camp, you know, the, the work we put in during training camp, it just, I felt, I felt like that had me prepared for, for the games and, and, uh, and I just felt really good even going into the game. And, uh, and I just want to make sure, you know, I keep, I keep working to try to get better so I can keep feeling better throughout the season. But um, I felt I felt good, and 
yeah, I was just happy to, to be to be out there and have have my wind and and have my focus and to be able to be out there and and you know to just be out there on the field again and just you know to do that. So it's just uh, it, no, it just feels good, man. I, I'm excited. I'm just excited for the opportunity and and uh, and yeah, and and I know I know, I know throughout the season I'll, I'll feel good. Uh, I'll I'll keep feeling better throughout the season. So. Uh, yeah. All right, Robert, you guys are coming off a couple losses. You got 49ers coming up this week. When you put on the film, uh, what challenges do you see with the Niners? And then what's the vibe of this team right now? Um, I think from, from, from what I, uh, from, from this week and of practice and preparation, um, we're, we're, we're focused and we're locked in. We're where we need to be. Um, we're, we we have I feel like we got humbled a little bit and we we do we 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 uh we took a loss and so I think that you know kind of made us you know re re channel our focus and and uh, really dig deep to you know and figure out you know the the the, uh, the wave of how the season is going to go and so um, I think we're, I think we're we're really focused man and so I'm just I, I just think we're just trying to get better and so that's what's important so. So Robert, you a uh, Southern kid, you know, down in Georgia, you, you end up going to Arizona, uh, where uh, it's warm. Still South, you go to Miami. Yeah. Now, now you're up here yeah, in the yeah. Pacific Northwest. So two two questions. One, what do you like to do away from football, and and how you like in Seattle? It's got to be very different from the other states that you were you were in. Um. Well, uh, Seattle is um. It's uh. It's well, I mean, compared to Miami, they're all different because just you know the the, the just the whole you know demographic of the state, and they're all just different. But um, Seattle, I, I, you know, the opportunity I have with the Seahawks, I feel like I can appreciate being here, you know, a lot more, you know, you know, you know. So it's just, it's just, I'm just happy to be here, you know, because Seattle is, it, it has its own unique. Uh, it has this unique vibe about it, and it has its own unique kind of uh, energy about it. So, I mean, it's just cool. It's it's cool, and I still I haven't got around to go really ex- experience you know all of Seattle, but I'll I'll, I'll get there eventually. But um, um, yeah, it's, it's it's been great so far. So, well, Robert, I'll let you know we're we're happy you're here. Seattle has its own vibe, unique vibe. So do you, man. You keep going, and good luck this week against the 49ers, man. We appreciate you taking time out of your night. Thank you guys so much for reaching out to me, man. And uh, I'm looking forward to doing it again whenever we can, man. And uh, we're going to rock this weekend. Yes, sir. It's going to be fun, man. like it. Let's get it. fun, man. 12, baby, 12. Let's go. (laughs) Let's go. We're going to rock out. It's going to be fun. Yes, sir. Thanks, Robert. Can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. All right, man. You guys have a good night. You too. All right, yep. that was Robert Kimdichi, your D tackle, man. I'm excited for this guy. He sounds excited. And when we return, we're going to talk to the professor, John Clayton. We're going to talk Seahawks, NFL, a whole bunch of stuff right here on Hawks Live. Ow! Welcome back to Hawks Live. It's 745. You hear the funk, you know what time it is. John Clayton, what's up, man? How we doing? 
We doing good, man. How are you? Good, good. All right, now I'm watching the Jags versus the Bengals, uh-huh. a.k.a. Clemson versus LSU. What are your thoughts? Uh, these aren't two very good teams, but it's actually a better game than I thought it was going to be. Uh, you know, it's like you know, Trevor Lawrence did well in the first half. He's struggling in the second half. But now you can see that uh, Cincinnati, who got off such a bad start, really came back quickly with that beginning drive at the second quarter, getting it, getting it tied up. So it makes for an interesting game. But, I mean, these are two teams that are going to be so far down in the standings, Jacksonville lower than anything else. I think, you know, the interesting part is whether Trevor Lawrence can get his first victory in the NFL. John, I stood up for this segment just for you. Got yeah. up, Got off the seat. Hey, a lot of talk, obviously, Josh Gordon earlier this week, actually mm-hmm. Monday. And some people have said that the Seahawks may have dragged their feet on this one or something, but um, I don't think so. Why do you think he ended up in Kansas City and not here? Don't know the answer because I guess maybe he was thinking he has a chance to go to, uh, to a team with uh, Patrick Mahomes and you know it may be a better team than Seattle. Because I'm, I'm surprised, totally surprised, because I know – not that they've been in contact because, again, they couldn't, but uh, they were interested. And I think they were planning on him coming in and signing the practice squad contract. And sure enough, uh, Kansas City gets him to the practice squad contract, and he doesn't come, which I think is a, a loss for this team because he'd be a good addition. I know years ago he was a former pro bowler. He fit in with Russell Wilson. And I don't know if it's a matter that Patrick Mahomes did some recruiting of him or not, but uh, in the end it was a surprise that he didn't end up in Seattle. Because he lives in Seattle. Well, that was the, that's the surprise. I mean, he and Russell, I think, have worked out together, things like that. So I, I think people thought for sure he was going to come here. I mean, Pete even talked about it once he had been on, excuse me, um, John Schneider on our show on Sunday. He talked a little bit about it once they said he was going to be reinstated. Mm-hmm. And then, boom, Monday morning. He's in Kansas City. I, I just that one really I think threw a lot of people off. It did, and I think it threw the Seahawks off a lot too because you know they they kind of I mean again uh, they weren't tipping their hand to the media one way or another what they were going to do, but I think clearly they were tipping their hand to Josh Gordon as an agents, and maybe it was his agents who talked him into going to Kansas City. That very well could be the case, uh, but. You know, and in the end, I mean, they were anticipating on Monday he was going to get totally cleared, and then on uh, Monday he was going to sign the practice squad here in Seattle because he had been vaccinated. There was no delay in getting him into any kind of a building or anything of that nature. So, uh, no, it's a surprise and an upset. And again, you know, they got maybe a little bit too late into the mix for Richard Sherman, and they didn't get him, and so he goes down to Tampa Bay. John, everyone's talking about the Seahawks defense right now. Is it the D-line, the linebackers, the DBs? Personally, I think it's a group project. Mm-hmm. I think they're failing all together right now. But um, you can kind of look at the secondary and, and point some things out. Do you think Sidney Jones gets a shot this week? I think he does. I mean, because, uh, you know, Trey Flowers continues to struggle. There's this continued struggle right now with the, the linebackers matching up with the cornerbacks as far as coverage. You know, so many things are open in the middle of the field. I mean, you saw Kirk Cousins take advantage of it more than just about any quarterback they've faced in the last couple of years. So with that in mind, because you know, they've got to do something to get things right. And, uh, you know, obviously the pass rush has to be better. They're going against a pretty decent San Francisco uh, defensive line. But here's the interesting thing. When you look at it, okay, so Seattle's secondary has not done well. What do you see from San Francisco's secondary? Mm-hmm. I mean, right now, how many guys are left? I mean, you know, they're sitting there. They've got, uh, you know, they lost uh, Jason Verrett for the season with an ACL. 
you know, they, they don't have uh, K1 Williams because he's going to miss with a knee injury. Then, uh, you know, you got, I, I can't imagine, I can't, can you imagine that uh, they're going to be able to get Josh Norman out there with a bleeding lung? He had a bleeding lung <clears throat> last week. How can he be out there in a week? I can't imagine that. And so all of a sudden, I mean, you have, you know, a couple draft choices, a third and a sixth round draft choice. I mean, you got a couple of veteran guys like Drake or Patrick. He's one. And, you know, they they picked up, uh, you know, Buster Scrines. But it's like, uh, you know, if you really think about it, if you want to say that the Seahawks are not in good shape at the cornerback position, I would contend to say that the 49ers are in worse shape. Normally one and two. Going into week four, and particularly with a 17-game se- season now, you wouldn't think this is a must-win. But this division's so difficult. So mm-hmm. do you think this is a must-win for the Seahawks? It is. I mean, if it was any other division, uh, it probably wouldn't be a must-win. In this division, it has to be a must-win. Because, I mean, you've got four teams right now. I mean, maybe right now you could say excluding the Seahawks because they're not playing like a playoff team, that uh, you are know, playoff-caliber teams. And you look at the first week, and you know Seattle looked like a Super Bowl team going against Indianapolis, and then you know lay an egg on defense for the last two weeks. So uh, now it's a matter of trying to pick things up. But I mean, you don't want to come out of this weekend three games behind either Arizona or the Rams. That's going to be tough to catch up because one thing in this division. Every team has a good quarterback. And maybe Jimmy Garoppolo of the four might be the worst, but he's still not bad. He was able to get his team to the Super Bowl back in 2019. John, there are five teams remaining in the NFL who are undefeated. The Raiders, the Broncos, the Rams, Panthers, and the Cardinals. So two of these guys are in the Mm -hmm. NFC West. I look at these Rams, John, and they look like an elite team in this NFL. What are you seeing from the Rams so far? I mean, they look good. Now, again, their defense isn't as good as last year, but that's anticipated. And you know, when they had to take the $42.2 million hit on Jared Goff on the dead money and Matthew Stafford on the salary. And so, you know, they lose four starters on defense, but they're still good enough. But, boy, their offense with Matthew Stafford looks sensational. I mean, because look what he's doing with Cooper Cup. I mean, Cup has just been great so far. I mean, they haven't had much of a running game. Their offensive line actually is performing pretty well. But, I mean, look how solid they've been just in every game. I mean, they look like a Super Bowl team, and they have to be slowed down. And right now, as good as Arizona has been, and they've been very good, I can't see Arizona going down to the Rams and being able to beat them. I'll take you around the league a little bit. This one interests me. Uh, and we're talking about the Chicago Bears mm-hmm. and potentially moving. And, you know, they just bought 326 acres in Arlington Heights, Illinois. I never thought they would move from downtown right there on the water, even though I think it's probably one of the uglier stadiums. What, what are you hearing there? Is this, is this going to happen? Are they going to move? Uh, I mean, it, it's, it, if it's a strategy to try to get the city to try to help them out, no. Because the city's not going to help them out. I mean, you know, it looks like uh, they may be in the process of moving. But here's an interesting, and again, I don't know how valid this rumor was, but it came out the other day, is that uh, you know, down in Jacksonville, Shad Khan, the owner of the Jaguars, who's a University of Illinois grad and a big Chicago City fan, is thinking maybe he can move the Jaguars up to Chicago and take over Soldier Field and make some renovations on his own there. So I don't know how valid that is, but uh, no, I think that there's there is a chance. I mean, because you know, hey, say what you want. It's like uh, these are owners. Owners don't like to spend 175 million dollars and not be able to get anything out of it. 
And that $175 million, I don't think, is going to be able to garner anything from uh, the city of Chicago. And so uh, I think there is a decent chance that at some point they'll, they'll move. John, great stuff as usual. We appreciate your time. Keep oh. it funky, baby. Okay. Oh, man. I, oh, just, you know what? Oh. I, you know what? I, I might have messed this up, this, Moyer. We got, we got 30 seconds. All Go right, ahead. John, All right. tell 30. me what you want to talk about. Okay. Uh, the, we'll see what happens with Trevor Lawrence tonight. Rookie quarterbacks right now, 1 in 10, more than 37 interceptions. They're all throwing like a 55% or less and 5.6 yards or less a yard. The only quarterback that's doing well as far as the numbers are Mac Jones, and he's 1 in 2. There it is. Now I can say it, John. See? You keep it funky, baby. Okay, thanks. All right, right, have a good night. All right, when we return, Moyer and I will talk that talk. This is when we pick a couple topics and go at it. Will the Seahawks have a good turnaround like they did in 2020? How good is Matthew Stafford? Will the Hawks win 12 games? All that and more next right here on Hawks Live.